And here we are once again, 8 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time, the early bird podcast sessions. Stefan Maya with you at itsouls.com, the website. How you been, man? Hope you're doing all right. <laughs> I've been a MIA on you there for uh, several days, missing in action due to uh, local work and some joyful announcements regarding uh, the East Coast Church of Christ, to which I minister to and have been ministering to and laboring with since May 8th, 2022. So there's been a lot of hustle and bustle and shaping up, shaping up stuff and uh, creating the website and Facebook page and getting all kinds of things in order and organized. And uh, it's been uh, very encouraging, very hopeful, a lot of goals ahead. Please go ahead and check it out, eastcoastchurchofchrist.com. Can send us an email, eastcoastchurchofchrist at gmail.com. It is a new work, a new church plant over here on the East Coast, the Mariner side of things. We are currently in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada, and we're meeting in our homes uh, each week for Bible studies and worship and fellowship meals. And uh, we're uh, 15 members strong, very diverse members strong, and a uh, humble group, very loving very loving group, capable of discerning right from wrong. And it's been uh, such an encouraging and warm uh, path forward in our lives. So I've been busy. Productive is the accurate word. <laughs> Most folks are busy, busy doing nothing. So we've been productive and uh, it's been good. It's been really good. The East Coast Church of Christ here in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. Hope you get involved. If you want some Bible studies, if you're in the area, by all means, please reach out to us. Again, check out our website, eastcoastchurchofchrist.com. So that's what's been happening, and that's why I've not been able to be with you for several days for the podcast sessions. But things are settling down, and we should be able to get back to the uh, order of things and the consistency of things. However, you know, everything's always organic, and sometimes things move, shift, this way or that way, and uh, I am having conversations with my wife regarding the schedule and time of uh, my podcast sessions. We might push it a bit further. It's at 8 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time right now. We might push it a bit further into the uh, 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. I don't know. I Again, I've, <clears throat> there's a lot of responsibilities, things that I am most uh, honored to be able, through His grace, uh, produce material online. Uh, and uh, a lot of places to do that. So, you know, uh, we'll see how she goes, but no matter what, I'm going to keep connected. And for certain, for certain, uh, over at addedsouls.locals.com, <clears throat> if you can, please sign up there. It's free to sign up. And from there, you can choose to support uh, the Added Souls Ministry, which works and labors for the gospel and this mission field alongside the East Coast Church of Christ. Please do that. You know, we are in a mission field. We do need uh, financial assistance for uh, the expediency of the work. And uh, when it comes to the addedsouls.locals.com uh, platform, it is, of course, me, quote unquote, building tents and uh, being connected with you all. And so please consider supporting us there. There's also the PayPal option if you want to send a donation. And you can send us uh, uh, a check or something like that through the mail. Just reach out to me. I'll give you an address. Only for those of you who are members of the church and understand the language I am speaking very well, 
and uh, want to get involved, want to partake. Okay, so yeah, we're all wanting to get to the topic of the session here, right? Is denominationalism scriptural? Is denominationalism scriptural? That's where we're at, and that's what we're talking about for this session. And we're going to go to our friends over at apologeticspress.org once again for the reading of a, an article titled, Is Denominational? Is denominational uh, denominationalism uh, scriptural? From our brother Dave Miller over there at apologeticspress.org. Is that okay? The custom we've been doing, of course, sometimes when we do pull up articles from our brothers in Christ, uh, we read through it. I share my studies throughout the decade plus, and we kind of just have ourselves a wonderful discussion on the topic at hand, the denominationalism, division, departures, you know, of sorts. And we are enamored with that in today's Western world. Over here in Canada, there's a denomination in every other block, right? Uh, and uh, the very few that title themselves Churches of Christ are uh, not really of Christ. They're either, they're either corrupted, the leadership is corrupted, and there's a lot of corrupt uh, things taking place, uh, uh, or uh, it's uh, filled with... Um, uh, false doctrines and false uh, systems of worship that the Bible has never authorized. And um, we can even go to the fringes of uh, those who utilize the name of Christ, such as the uh, Mormons, you know, the Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints and things like that. Well, just because you see churches that bear the name of Jesus Christ does not mean that within the the assembly and within the things that they are teaching and practicing belongs to Jesus. Um, it's very easy to stand in a garage with a wrench in hand and call yourself a mechanic. Um, you know, many people fraudulently do that to take your money, right? Get yourself swindled into uh, individuals who are very uh, cunning, unrighteously cunning in their in their fraudulent crafts. So denominationalism is an offshoot, a branch off, a um, departure of sorts, a division, ultimately. And um, many of them do bear the name of Christ. Many of them just don't. You know, you have yourself from the Roman Catholicism, everything in between, all the way to the Baptist Church. Well, does God approve of these things? I mean, don't kill me. I'm just the messenger. I'm just the mailman. I want to have a conversation. We want to read an article and see what our brethren have to say because they point us always to the scriptures and that's the point what does the scripture teach right that's what we want to know so you know we want to make sense of this in a loving kind and well-balanced way you don't want to believe it then don't you know nobody's forcing you god never put a gun to our head and said you best believe what i'm telling you to believe or that's it you know not at all he says i love you you have free will you choose to believe what you want to believe. I, you now, he wants us to believe the truth, and he wants us to be in heaven with him. The scriptures so plainly say that. Uh, but we have the decision to make on our own independent accountability. That's why there's a lot of denominations out there that, uh, if not most, sadly, that teach that we don't have a choice, that we do not have free will, that we're all just robots programmed from birth to either be damned or saved. And that's just not true. That's just not true at all. We do have a decision to make. It's not that we're more powerful than God. It's that God's power is so uh, 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 graceful towards us. He allows us to choose, to make decisions. And we want to talk about the decision 
on which church we want to belong to if we're Christians, right? How does that work? If we want to become Christians, where do we go? You know, the mentality in this politically correct atmosphere is currently just, you know, get saved by Jesus and then choose a church you want to be part of. That makes you happy. Is that what you read in the Bible? Have you actually read the words of the Bible? That's why many denominations say, don't trust the Bible. Yeah, the Bible's a good book, but it's been, you can't really trust it. Just trust me. Why? Because I have the Holy Spirit. Well, why do you have it and I don't? Oh, you can have it too. Well, how do we? And then you get into the realm of confusion. And again, the scripture says, God is not a God of confusion. You know what I'm saying? You with me? Pay attention, put your seatbelt on, where's your helmet, make sure you have it. <laughs> we want to, we just want to be fair with it, that's all. And again, you can listen to this, and you may disagree. We don't need to be enemies. You don't need to hate me and want to hurt me and, and threaten my life. And I don't need to do the same to you. Okay? Really. It's really that simple. If you do not want to believe the information that is being shared, then don't. Really, it's your decision. I'll still love you. You're still my neighbor. We can still get along. We can still go outside, wave at each other. Hey, Joe. Hey, Bob. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. You working today? Yeah, you know, the grind, nine to five. You don't believe what I believe? All right, fine. I mean, it is what it is. No need to force anyone. No need to beat somebody over the head. God's already made the judgment. God already spoke his word. His words are what are going to judge us on that day. If you don't want to believe, then you don't believe. If anything I say, if anything we share on this podcast, you can't read in the Bible, doesn't make sense to you regarding what you've been reading in the Bible, then don't believe it. You have to face God on your own independent accountability according to your own intellectual capabilities. As I. You're not going to stand there and say, well, this podcaster I listened to once. God's going to be like, what are you doing? No, no, listen. You're here. You're before me. And you're accountable. You're either judged uh, um, you will be judged righteously. God judges righteously and justice there. So again, you know, it is what it is. Take it or leave it, right? Okay. Is denominational denominationalism scriptural? I'm going to put up the article on the screen and uh, we'll have ourselves a, a read and we'll go through it together. That all right? All right. There we go. ApologeticsPress.org is the website where this article can be found. The author, Dave Miller. What is denomination? Well, that's a good question to ask if we're going to start this article, right? And Brother Dave knows that very well. Does God approve of denominations? These are extremely significant and critical questions. They deserve answers from the Word of God. And again, we assume that you trust in the Word of God. That's, that's important. If you, if you don't trust in the word of God because your priest, your pope, your pastors, your reverends, your whoever religious leaders have made you think that you should not trust the word of God, then maybe you need to start questioning why they've made you think you can't trust the Bible. <laughs> okay? Side note for your own thoughts there. What is, what is a denomination? Does God approve of them? These are extremely significant and critical questions, okay? They deserve answers from the Word of God. That's where we're going to find ourselves in a very sober, well-organized uh, path forward. When we go to the New Testament and examine God's Word with a view toward ascertaining uh, what His will is with regard to religion, 
we find that there's a clearly defined system of religion. God's religion in the New Testament. Listen, side note, um, you actually have to read the Bible. Like you actually have to read it for yourself. Don't take somebody else's word for you. Don't allow someone into your mind controlling you, making you think you're independent in your thoughts, but really you're being controlled by a very manipulative source, a very corrupt and toxic source. I know it's that. I know all about that. I've been the victim of that. Some of us have been the victim of that in our past. We know how that works. These, um, they're almost cult-like figures, very bullish, and uh, they'll get into your mind. They'll control your, your, your mind and, and, and they'll deplete you. They'll make you question reality, all that kind of stuff. Well, they'll do that in a religious way. Those whom you may trust behind the pulpit, who wear all the religious titles, pastor and elder and preacher and teacher, evangelist, reverend, pope, you know, whatever title. Sometimes you need to really step back and, 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 and have a moment of clarity and be like, am I thinking for myself? Or is somebody making thinking for me, having me think I'm thinking for myself? <laughs> it can muddy the water, but trust me, it's, a re it's real. Um, you need to really have that moment. If you're hearing this information and you think to yourself, I must immediately bring this information to the viewer to see what he has to say. You're, you're being controlled. I know what that's about. Everything needs to go to him or to her. I need to tell them. Why? Can't you think for yourself? I need to go ask my pastor. Why? You can read the Bible, can't you? Well, the, read the Bible for yourself. Open the book. Open the book. Start reading in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read the gospel. Read the Acts of the Apostles. Read it. No, no, no. I don't mean open the book, read a verse, and then on back on to Facebook. Turn off your smart devices, and I don't know how smart they are, Right? They tell us that we have smart devices. I don't know how smart they are. <laughs> um, turn off all distractions and read the Bible for yourself with your own mind, away from uh, 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 any agenda that may have been infused into your mind. And sometimes it's grafted in there from your birth because the tradition of the household has been a denominational worldview. And what if God doesn't approve of denominational worldviews? Statements of faith, creeds, rituals, shrines, traditions. What if, well, I've always been this because my family's always been this and we're not going to question that. Well, hey, wait a minute now. Jesus walked on this earth among his own people, the Jews, making them uh, or, or proclaiming a message of repentance. These were people who thought they were saved, thought they were going to heaven and good with God. And Jesus was like, no, you're not. Crucify him. Why do you think they crucified him? Because Jesus came saying, well, let's coexist and we find strength and diversity and let's be politically correct and everybody's going to heaven and we all have different paths there and it doesn't really matter what you believe because God is love. And Come on, man. You can't read the Bible and see that in there. You can't even squeeze it. You can't squeeze one, <laughs> one ounce out of there that says anything like that. that. The Bible actually rebukes all that kind of stuff. So read the Bible for yourself. Read it for yourself. None of this is going to make sense to you. Okay? What if what you think you've been meant to hear from those who are clearly speaking to you sober words of the gospel, you've been meant to think they're trying to brainwash you. There are individuals behind the pulpit 
who are corrupt and toxic, who will brainwash you. No doubt. I know that. I know that. That is true. And they'll have you thinking that you're not brainwashed and that anybody that's trying to tell you the truth is trying to brainwash you. It's very highly manipulative and you won't be able to discern it if you don't read the Bible for yourself. If you need to read the Bible and run to someone who claims to be a scholar, he's got you. He's got your mind. You can't think for yourself. Now, he'll tell you to think for yourself. He'll tell you that's what you're doing. Yeah, you're thinking for yourself. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Because I'm telling you, there's a lot of snakes behind the pulpits, a lot of wolves behind the pulpit who know how to use the Bible for their selfish ambitions. They proclaim Christ out of envy, out of all kinds of stuff like that. So friends, listen, with all love and respect, think for yourself. We're asking the question, is denominationalism scriptural? Is denominationalism something God wants us to do? If you think so, after reading the Bible, then don't get angry at me. You roll with it and you meet God on your own terms. I'm not your enemy. All right? However, if you do open the scriptures and read the information in there, and it clearly so says that denominationalism is not authorized, then what are you going to do? You're in a fork in a road. Yeah, but my family and my friends and my community and my neighbors, and we've been part of the denominations for... Maybe you've been meant to think that there's no such a thing as no denomination. Like maybe everything in your, maybe you've been meant to think that everything, every church is a denomination. That there's no such a thing as one authentic, genuine church that belongs to Jesus. The devil, man, I'm telling you, his influence is working. Okay. <sighs> Bit of an excursion there. Let's go back to the article, shall we? We should not be surprised. Uh, well, where was I there? Okay, okay. We also find that Satan does everything he can to blur the distinctions that God wants observed. See, there you go. We should not be surprised at that. Think about the great hoaxes that have been uh, perpetrated. There we go. <laughs> Keep in mind, if you're new to this channel, I'm a French guy speaking English, okay? So, uh... Sometimes I'm, I'm going to mess up some uh, English pronouncing here. Perpetrated. This kind, uh, this, uh, think about the great hoaxes that have been perpetrated upon mankind. For instance, the doctrine of evolution is almost universally believed by the scientific elite of many societies. So it is with many political, philosophical, and religious systems of thought like communism, Buddhism, and Hinduism. Those who have examined the evidence, objective truth, on these matters know that those systems of thought simply are not true. Yet large numbers of people adhere to them. Large numbers, numbers of people believe the tenets of those systems. Absolutely. Why, why do you think organizations like the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons or Islam uh, why do you think people drink the Kool-Aid, okay? Why do you think people... It's not because they're stupid. It's not because they can't think... They, they don't have a brain. It'd be easy for us to, to, to say those things and be rude towards those people looking from the outside saying, I don't know how... These people must be stupid. How could they have ever drank that Kool-Aid? How could they ever be part... Repent from that. That's a bad heart. 
No, no, these people are genuine people. They're decent people. Okay? They've just been caught by predatory individuals masquerading as religious leaders who infiltrate the, their minds because they were vulnerable. And that happens. It happened to me. It happened to a lot of people I love. It happens. But when you wake up from that secular haze, you know, that, that pollutant, then you're like, whoa, wow. Uh, I was following a cult-like leader for years. Very destructive individual. The One of the most cunning, unrighteous deceivers I've ever met. You know, you, you, you wake to that uh, truth. And you need to be kind and compassionate towards people who are snared in those organizations. Don't get angry at them. They'll be mad at them. Pray for them. They're going to lash out at you. They're going to say all manners of things at you. They're going to persecute you. Be patient with them. Okay? Many of us were snared in the isms of the world. Does God approve of denominationalism? You would think that kind of element is not found uh, within the Lord's church, but it is. They creep in there secretly. They climb in some other way and they, they, they take preeminence and these, these kinds, they're dangerous. They'll get into your mind. We got to be open to this system. We got to be transparent with it. It exists. It's real. So we need to be aware of our surroundings. We keep asking the question, is denominationalism scriptural? Well, let's keep going in the article, shall we? In 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul spoke about the fact that Satan endeavors to take advantage of people. Oh, he does. He'll take everything from you. He said that we should not let Satan take advantage of us, quote, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The word devices could easily have been translated schemes. We must be aware of the fact that Satan uses deceitful, deceptive ploys in an effort to trick people to get them to believe and practice various things that simply are not true. They will. From the pulpit, they'll make you believe that those who are innocent are guilty. I mean, they called Jesus the devil. The devil called Jesus the devil and made people believe the devil slandering Jesus. I mean, it's just, these things are real. And sadly, they happen behind the pulpit and the Lord's church as well, which is why the scriptures is, is filled with uh, instruction to get rid of these kinds, to remove yourselves from these kinds, to avoid these kinds, that kind of stuff. We must be aware of the fact that Satan uses deceitful, deceptive ploys in an effort to trick people, okay? That's just what he does. In a similar statement, Paul used the phrase, quote, wilds of the devil in Ephesians 6, 11. Most people are oblivious to this fact. Many people do not even believe that Satan exists. Any more than they believe that God exists, of course. Yet if the New Testament is true, it is clear that there is a Satan. And he will do all he can to fool, trick, and deceive people. He wants to blur distinctions that God wants observed. Distinctions that are scriptural and biblical. And the, 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 the finer he can get into the details, the more minds he can pollute. Um, when you start your, your walk in Christianity, 
you can identify those who are blatantly uh, deceptive, meaning they're, 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 they're not well-crafted in their deceit. But the more you grow in Christ, the more you start to see uh, that brand, if you will, uh, shrink. And it makes its way to understanding some who are of the most highly cunning, manipulative uh, measurement. Uh, some that it really takes a deep wisdom of discernment to recognize and be like, this guy's a fraud. This guy's a liar. All right. Um, it, 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 it's, it's really something to live through. So, again, uh, where are we now? Satan, yeah. That's his, that's his tricks and stuff like that. Um, trick and deceive people. He wants to blur distinctions that God wants observed. Distinctions that are scriptural and biblical. It's clear that this is the case with denominationalism. Okay, Consider the following dictionary definitions. The term denominate means, quote, to give a name to or designate, right? Denomination is a large group of religious congregations united under a common faith and name and organization under a single administrative and legal hierarchy, a name or designation, especially for a class or group. Denominator refers to the expression written below the line in a common fraction that indicates the number of parts into which one whole is divided. Denominationalism is the tendency to separate into religious denominations sectarianism, end quote. Think about these meanings for just a moment. The very word, quote, denomination means a named or designated division. Denominationalism occurs when religious people and groups divide and segregate themselves on the basis of different designations or church affiliations and different doctrines. All right, that's why you have thousands and thousands of churches today who claim Christianity, but each of them have their own traditions, their own statements of faith, their own creeds, their own rituals, their own shrines, their own doctrines. Have you gone to the New Testament and read Jesus' prayer for unity in John chapter 17? Well, that's a good question to ask looking at the landscape of all these churches. There he prayed against religious division. Again, how do you make sense of that? And how can you say... God approves his denominations when clearly denominations are divisions. Oh yeah, we're all united in our division. Well, that's a, is that an oxymoron? I don't know if that fits. I don't know. Some, something in me wants me to say that's like an oxymoron. I don't know. I, I'm not well versed enough in utilizing that, but maybe you know better than I do with it. But it sounds like there's something off when you think that division is some, that somehow we're united in division. No, we're separate. There's a difference there, right? So Jesus prayed for... Uh, 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 there he prayed against religious division and prayed to God that believers in Christ would be united, unified. Paul made the same point to the church of Christ in Corinth. Quote, I beseech you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you. 1 Corinthians 1.10 here is a passage that says denominations are not even to exist. Let there be no divisions among you. It's quite clear if a denomination is a designated division, then denominationalism is clearly unscriptural. It is against the will of Christ. And the passage continues, quote, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, 
and in the same judgment, end quote. How can you be of the same mind and the same judgment if everyone has different traditions and beliefs and statements of faith and creeds and shrines and different doctrines? How, how can we be united in the same mind and judgment if you go to a church one Sunday and they say, everyone's going to heaven? And then you go to another church another Sunday morning and they say, no one's going to heaven. And then you go to another church one day and they say, well, here's how you should worship. And then you go to a different church on a different Sunday morning and they say, well, here's how we worship. And everything's different. And they teach different stuff about all kinds of stuff. They teach differently on the church. They teach differently on worship. They teach differently on the plan of salvation, how one gets saved. Like, I mean, they teach differently on the Holy Spirit. They teach differently on the Bible. They teach differently on behavior. How are we to, how do you make sense of that? I'm being genuine with you. I'm being transparent and honest with you. I'm asking the question, how can we read the words of Paul in the Bible that says that we are to be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment, but when you look at all these churches from the Catholic Church to the Baptist Church and everything in between, the Pentecostals, the Wesleyans, the Methodists, the, uh, well, man, the House of Nazareth, the Community Church, the Gospel Halls, the, uh, man, you go ahead. You can name them. There's thousands of them. And they all teach differently. But they all say, we believe in Jesus, so therefore we're united. Well, even the devil and his demons believe in Jesus. Haven't you ever asked that question? Like I had to. Aren't we like human beings here trying to reason together? If I'm wrong and you think me a fool and out to lunch, bad, then by all means, okay, fine, that's fine. But I'm asking, I mean, I had to sit down way back on June, June 26, 2011 and ask myself all over again this question in my life and be like, yeah, what's going on here? I assure you, the article says, now back to the article, I assure you I have nothing against any particular religious group. I have no biases or prejudices against any one church or denomination. I agree wholeheartedly with Brother Dave Miller over at apologeticspress.org. I got no beef against anything. Well, let me be more. I got no beef against people, against human beings' souls. I have a beef against false teachings, against false doctrines and things that are hurting people or making people think they're going to heaven when they're really not. But we must go to the scripture and be objective in our appraisal of the New Testament truth. Okay? I mean, what's your measurement? What's your standard? If it's not the Bible, then what is it? Your feelings? Your feelings are going to let you down. Your feelings are going to let you down. Your feelings, man, let me tell you something. People who are addicted to hardcore narcotics, they feel real good. It feels really good. You're going to trust your feelings. We have people today who say they feel, we have men today who feel they can get pregnant. We have women today who feel they're men. Is that true? Is that science? Is that real? You may feel saved, you may feel you're right in a denomination, but what does the Bible say? What's your standard of, where's the ruler? How can you build a house without a measuring tape? Really? Well, let's just build a house without a measuring tape. I know some well-crafted uh, carpenters and architects been in the game man for 40 years they still have a measuring tape on their hip 
you got to have a ruler. You got to have something you can go to, a platform, a solid objective absolute. The Bible, rightly handled. If you just pluck out a verse out of its context, of course you can make the Bible say anything you want it to say. That's what people have been doing. Why do you think we have denominations? Well, I disagree with the Bible on this verse, so I'm going to make it say what I want it to say. Boom, I'm going to start a new church. It's been happening for millennia. Okay, let's keep reading, okay? We have to go to the scripture and, the object, uh, and be objective in our appraisal of the New Testament truth. It is clear when we go to the Bible that denominationalism, though viewed innocently by millions of people worldwide, is an approach to religion that is out of harmony with the New Testament teaching. God does not want denominations to exist. Yeah, but you're part of a denomination. No, I'm not. There is real... I'm, listen, there is such a church currently right now in this here time. There is currently a church that belongs to Jesus and it's not a denomination. It's actually pre-denominational. It's really true, but you need faith. See, that's the key. You need faith to see the spiritual house. It's real. It's true. It's real. It, it exists. I am a humble, submissive member of the church Jesus built in Jerusalem during the reign of the Roman Empire in the first century. How do I know that? Faith. Faith in what? Faith in, the, in Jesus, the things I can read. You gotta, it exists. And it don't look like what the world wants you to think it looks like. We're a small little group that meets in a home and we're growing. The church that belongs to Jesus Christ. God does not want denominations to exist. He wants all of us to understand his will in the New Testament and then to bring our lives into conformity and our spirits into submission to that will. God loves us. God is love. He has compassion and forgiveness. He will guide us through this life. But we have to go on his terms. He's the creator. Now we go into the section of the article titled Denominationalism versus New Testament Christianity. Again, you can read this article for yourself if you wish to study it further and with more length over at apologeticspress.org. Denominationalism conflicts with the New Testament teaching on a variety of subjects. Consider New Testament teaching on the subject of the one church. Okay? Passages like Isaiah chapter 2 verses 1 through 5 and Daniel chapter 2 verses 44 predicted that one day God would set up a kingdom, a church, a house, what Isaiah called the, quote, Lord's house. Again, you really got to start reading the Bible for yourself. You, it'll, man, it'll set you free. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, John the baptizer preached that people should repent and get ready because the kingdom of heaven was at hand. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said, quote, Upon this rock I will build my church. In Mark chapter 9, verse 1, he said, quote, There are some standing here who will not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God come with power. 
I mean, Jesus was speaking to people in the first century context. These passages speak of the same institution. In Acts chapter 2, we find the actual establishment of Christ's church on earth. Jesus Christ himself built his church in the city of Jerusalem in approximately A.D. 30 on the day of Pentecost. Its inception is described in Acts chapter 2. Through my studies, which arrive to the same conclusion as our brethren over at Apologetics Press, and all who are faithful to genuinely study the Bible all come to the same mind and judgment when it comes to the doctrine of what's being taught in the Bible. Here's how I laid it out, because I'm, I'm a person that likes to see the evidence, understand the evidence, and then as make it as simple as I can, because it is simple. It's not complicated. We complicate things, and we make the water muddy, but me... When I find a point format or, 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 or I, I need to organize it. That's all I'm saying. I need to organize it in a way that makes sense. And here's how I organized it. The church Jesus built is the kingdom of heaven. It, 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 it's the same institution, okay? And it was birthed from the mind of God, number one. It was prophesied by the prophets, number two. It was promised by the Christ, number three. It was purchased by his blood, number four. And it must be practiced by our faith, number five. This church was established. It was built. Its doors open for legal citizenry in the first century during the reign of the Roman Empire in Jerusalem. And it came with great power from the Holy Spirit poured out upon the 12 chosen vessels, the apostles who stood up among the people and proclaimed the death, burial, resur uh, uh, resurrection, witness, and ascension of the Christ. See those five points of the gospel? Death, number one, burial, number two, resurrection, number three, witness, number four, and ascension, number five, of the Christ. And all who warmly received the message, who were pierced, who believed, well, they obeyed the gospel. They repented and were immersed into Christ, into the church Jesus built, now legal citizens. That's why Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 47, speak of those who were immersed, added to the church. Which church is that? If you could speak to these individuals today, going back thousands of years, back on that day in Pentecost, in AD 30, and ask them, like, which church are you part of? Do you think they would say the Catholic Church, the Baptist Church, the Pentecostal, the Wesleyans, the Methodists, the Gospel Halls, the Community Church? What church do you think they would say? They would say we belong to the church that belongs to Jesus Christ. Paul knew that, Romans 16, 16. Okay, back to the article. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul spoke of Christians as those who had been removed by God from darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, the body of Christ is referred to as the church. And later we are told that there is only one, chapter 4, verse 4. Those two passages alone should cause us to recognize that the existence of denominations is out of harmony with God's will. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 says there is one body. How can there be one body separated and divided by do different doctrines? Uh, okay, let's... Uh, the article. That body is the church of our Lord. The one body is the church of our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. It's not what we see out there right now in the world, the Western world. 
Jesus established it, his church, he built it. He purchased it with his own blood, Acts 20 and 28. If there is only one church, God is not pleased with the division, the named designations of competing churches with various names, doctrines, and practices. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul wrote to Timothy that he might know how to conduct himself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Most people just do not realize that New Testament truth is that simple. It's that plain and that uncomplicated. Don't allow these cult-like figures, these very bullish figures from the pulpit, manipulate your mind and take control of your thoughts. They spew word salads. They're egotistical maniacs who want you to think that they're scholars who can, you know, speak Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, and they just want you to feel stupid so that they can feel smart. Don't follow these kinds. They will be found in the Lord's church, but they are found all over the place in denominations. You got to get rid of those. Don't pay attention to those. The denominationalism that has gripped Western civilization is so entrenched and so entangled in the minds of people that they seem to be unable to detach themselves from it. And to go back to the New Testament to get a clear conception of the New Testament church. And I understand that because when you've been brainwashed for decades, it's difficult to think you're wrong. Really. That's why it's so important to be a humble individual. I've had to look in the mirror many times and admit my faults and repent of my beliefs and my practices and my behaviors. Now, mind you, you don't need to repent of things you are not guilty of. But when you are found guilty of believing something that is not in order with the scriptures, why not just follow Jesus and trust him? He'll, he'll guide you through that. Okay? They seem unable or unwilling to embrace pure New Testament teaching and to repudiate all denominationalism. It's really that simple. Like, for instance, 1 Peter 3.21 says that water baptism now saves you. Why do we fight that? If the Bible says there is but one body, one church, why do we fight that? Why do we feel that if, if Jesus says whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved and whoever does not believe shall be damned, why can't we just believe that? Why do we have to run to our pastor or priest or reverend and have, because they're controlling our minds, they've been doing so for a long time. And sometimes it's not the religious leaders, sometimes it's the parents, friends, neighbors, coworkers. Listen, you have to be independent. There are people who go to church and sit down and would believe the devil if the devil would be behind the pulpit because I, I've seen it. I've seen it. Another concept that we find clearly depicted on the pages of the New Testament is the idea of scriptural names. That is, names for both the church itself and names for individual members of that church. In Romans 16, 16, we find the expression, quote, churches of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 1, 2, we have a reference to the church of God. In 1 Corinthians 3, 16, we find the temple of God. And in Ephesians 4.12, we have the phrase, the body of Christ. Now, do you think those are all different denominations? Really? Do you believe them to be all different churches with different doctrines and different statements of faith and different... No. If you actually look at it closer, 
They're all saying the church of Christ, not the title, the description. It's not just a title, it's a description. The church, which church? The, the assembly of people who belong to Jesus. That's all the church of Christ means. It's, it's pure descriptive nature. It's a church, it's a location where you will find human beings congregated together that belong to Jesus Christ. That's all it means. Are there denominations out there called the Church of Christ? Well, yeah. Let's keep reading. These expressions are not intended to be technical nor formal names for the church. And listen, just because out there there are denominations that call themselves the Church of Christ doesn't mean that the pre-denominational, the true church that belongs to Jesus Christ is out there. It doesn't mean that that don't exist. The needle in the haystack may be difficult to find. It may take sacrifice and a lot of asking, seeking, and knocking to find, but it's still there. So the expre these expressions are not intended to be technical nor formal names for the church. They are descriptions. They are labels that describe Christ's church. Additional ones may be found as well. Most of the time in the New Testament, Christ's church is just referred to as the church. But here's the point. Most of the names that people are giving to their churches today are not in the New Testament. They therefore are formulating names and founding churches that cannot be found in the New Testament. That's denominationalism. Again, don't, don't murder the mailman. Don't sick the dog on him. I'm sharing with you what I've had to go through in my own thoughts. If you don't agree with it, then fine. There's no need for us to hate each other or, or to want to hurt each other physically or any other way. You go about and remain believing what you believe and you'll meet God that way. And I'll go on believing what I can read and I'll go to God that way. But I think we'll both end up believing the same thing if both of us are humble. If both of us are ready to count the cost and say, yeah, we might lose our family members, we might lose friends, we might lose co-workers, we might lose a lot of people that we love and we're social, social, socially active with if I choose to follow what I can clearly read in the Bible. You know, that's, that's counting the cost. It, it, it might just happen. But what's more important to us? To gain the world and lose our souls? To gain Christ, to lose our life on this earth, but to gain eternal life? I mean, what's more important to us? The Bible doesn't authorize denominations. Everybody's part of denominations. No, not everyone. Most, but not everyone. We can get through this. It's going to be a rough ride. And those who are brainwashed are going to say we are. It'll make you question your, your, your sanity, your reality. But you keep with the Bible and God will God'll, God'll take us through this. God will take us through the storm. Denominationalism is condemned by God. It is rebuked. It is not allowed. It is not authorized. So to be found in a denomination... Man, I don't want to meet God that way. The same thing is true with regard to the names that God wants individual Christians to wear. In Isaiah 62, too, the prophet foretold that God, with his own mouth, would give a name to his people. We find the fulfillment of that prophecy in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. The name 
that God wants individual members of his church to wear is the name Christian. In Romans chapter 1, verse 7, we find the term saints. In Acts 5.14, we find the term believer. In other passages, we find the word disciple and family names like brother and the family of God. The names that denominations and their members wear are conspicuously absent from the New Testament. You, you don't... With, listen, with love and respect, I'm not high-handedly trying to offend anyone. But where is it in the Bible that you have individually, individuals proudly proclaiming that they're Catholics or Baptists or Pentecostals or Wesleyans or Methodists or community church members or gospel halls or, or members of the House of Nazareth or... And one says, well, God doesn't, really God doesn't really care about those things. Well, he does. His son died on a cross. Of course he cares about what titles we wear, what names we call ourselves. And if you're honest with yourself, as angry as you might be at me right now, you know inside, if you're honest with yourself, you know this makes sense. You know it does. New Testament truth on the matter of names is simple. How contrary to that New Testament pattern are the churches and the individuals who have taken the names of men and applied them to themselves to their churches. Calvinist? Calvinism? Where do you see that in the Bible? And sadly, from my studies, a decade plus in now, which is not much, I'm, I'm, it's not much, but it's enough to recognize that all denominations follow Calvinism from one branch or one module to another. Man, that's not in the Bible. That's not from God. But they'll make us believe it is. That's, that's what's so, so difficult to discern. The devil will make us believe that what we believe is what God wants us to believe in what the Bible teaches, when in fact it, 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 it doesn't. I mean, the devil himself used the Bible to try to convince Jesus to sin. The demons themselves recognized Jesus. They believed in him. They knew who he was. Some churches designate themselves by a particular practice or doctrine. Some churches uh, have that custom, okay? I urge you to study your New Testament and realize that God is not pleased with man-made names. Again, I can't stress this enough to you. Read the Bible for yourself. How can you claim me to be your enemy if all I'm saying to you is read the Bible for yourself? He will not sanction or extend his grace to groups and individuals who have chosen to stray from his will and his pattern for religion. It doesn't matter that your feelings have deceived you. You have to go away from that. And there's nothing wrong with feelings. Matter of fact, some brethren do a great disservice to God and his blessing towards humanity by trying to remove us of our feelings. Feelings, emotions is, is, is a powerful tool, but it needs to be governed by the Bible. That's where we mess up. We govern our own feelings on our own uh, misguided judgments and we'll have our feelings direct our life into, into corrupt paths. No. Warmly embrace the blessing of feelings and emotions but through God's word. 
Those who formulate for themselves their own religions, the article continues, their own churches and their own names will be rejected by God. It just, there's no other way around it. The Bible records that down through the, uh, uh, the annals of human history, God has never tolerated human invention in religion. He just never has. Strange fire never worked well for human beings. It never has. It always ends up in messing us up. The same is true with regard to worship. The New Testament contains specific instruction concerning how God wants to be worshipped. Yet in the denominational world, all sorts of worship practice may be found. For instance, in the New Testament, Christians met for worship on the first day of the week, Sunday. Acts of worship took place on other days. For example, New Testament Christians could and did pray anytime, anywhere. But Sunday is a pinpointed in New Testament Christianity as the special day, set-apart day on which Christians gather together to worship God. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Christians are required by God to attend worship assemblies. <clears throat> Yet many people in our day never attend worship service and apparently think, hey, I can be a Christian at home and worship God in my own way. Nothing says that I have to go to church to worship with other Christians. End quote. You see, most people have not read their New Testaments. The Bible teaches the necessity of assembling in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Jesus said, quote, Seek first the kingdom of God in Matthew 6, 33. He was referring to the church. So if I am going to put the church first and seek it first in my life, obviously I am going to assemble with the church, fellow Christians, for worship on Sunday, and not in a denomination, but rather with true authentic, real, the true church that belongs to Christ, which still exists today, and it will be forevermore time. A further contrast between denominationalism and the New Testament church pertains to what Jesus would have us to do in the realm of music in the church. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, Paul wrote, quote, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, well, speaking takes words. New Testament instructions for musical worship are that simple and un unencumbered. There is no authority in the New Testament for playing musical instruments in worship to God. There is no authority in the New Testament for performance groups like choirs and praise teams. The music in the New Testament is very clearly congregational vocal singing. It's that simple. And denominations and their doctrines will try to manipulate the text and make you think you can do something God never authorized. It's not pharisaical. It's not quote-unquote legalistic to love Jesus and do what he told us to do. And we've been manipulated to, manipulated to think it is. We got to change our thoughts. We got to repent. We also find that communion, <clears throat> the Lord's Supper, was served in the New Testament to Christians on the first day of the week. Acts chapter 2, 47 and chapter 20, verse 7 and 1 Corinthians 11, verses 20 through 34 and chapter 16, verses 1, 2 and 3 inform us that the Lord's Supper in the New Testament church was observed <clears throat> every first day of the week. 
all Christians partook of both the fruit of the vine and the bread. In addition, every first day of the week, Christians are to contribute a percentage of their income to a general treasury so that the church may carry on its work. It's not to, to give the denominational pastor another Cadillac in the driveway or a private jet. Man, you got to recognize that. Those manipulative TV evangelists, they'll have you believing that it's God's blessing and God will bless you if you send them money. <clears throat> Man, we got to wake up to these, to these things. It, it has to do with our eternal soul. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it speaks of the importance of continuing in prayer. Praying is a part of Christian worship. Man, listen. If you find yourself confused in denominationalism or part of a denominational church, which, listen, you're not alone. We used to be there, <clears throat> really. Praying is important, but a reverent, submissive prayer. Because if you're not praying, seeking the truth, God's not going to hear your prayer. It takes a reverent, submissive, bowed prayer, asking God for the truth. God will provide it. He will bring you to the truth. Why are you listening to this podcast this day? What happened to you that all of a sudden you decided to turn on this live stream? Why are you listening to this? What took place? Providence. Providence. I've sat down sadly with a great many who prayed to God in reverence, in humble, submissive posture, asking God, please show me the truth. And God led them to the truth where they sat down with the truth and they read the truth. And I pointed to them the scriptures and they read it for themselves. And then they looked at me and said, no, that can't be what God wants me to believe. But you just asked him to bring you to the truth and he has, and you've read it. And now you tell yourself, nah, that's not what God wants me to believe. Don't be like that. Don't be like that, man. You're having a moment of clarity. You're actually starting to think for yourself. It's scary. I know it is. Why do you think when you are born again into the church Jesus built that you are considered a babe in Christ, a little baby? Because you have to learn now how to walk all over again in Christ this time around. Friends, listen, there are many people out there calling themselves Christians who are not Christians. There are many people who think themselves on the way to heaven. They are not. And I know, I know what you're saying. I said the same thing. Well, what about my loved ones who have passed on, who were part of denominational churches? Well, do you love them? I do. I love a great many of my friends and family who have passed on to the, from this life, part of denominational churches. You know what I understand too? I understand their screams from the grave. I understand that I love them and respect them enough to obey the gospel. Don't you think they would want you to be obeying the gospel? Don't you think they want you to go to heaven? If they are in a bad place eternally, do you think they want you to be there with them in a bad place eternally? Or do you think if we really love them and respect them that we'd want to go to heaven and obey the gospel and go to heaven? Don't you think that's what they would want for us? I mean, you got to think of it that way. You got to have the right perspective, man. Okay, let's keep reading the article. I'm sharing with you, of course, excursions from my own personal life and my own personal studies. That's what's going on while we read through this article. This article can be found over at apologeticspress.org. 
written by our brother Dave Miller. So the same verses speak of continuing in the apostles' doctrine. Okay, not only prayer, but the apostles' doctrine. In other words, the teaching, the preaching, and the examining of doctrinal truth through the apostles. Why? Because the apostles were guided into all truth. They were governed, miraculously so, by the Holy Spirit. You and I, we don't have that power today. That belonged to the apostles. I know this might sound foreign to you. I know this is probably not what you've heard from your pastors for years now. Just allow it to marinate in your mind. Just allow it to marinate in your mind. The apostles were spiritual men endowed miraculously by the Holy Spirit. They were governed by God. You and I, if we want to be governed by God, if, if, if we want to be governed by the Holy Spirit, we need to read the Bible. These five acts of worship, the article says, are part and parcel of public worship assemblies. No more and no less. Because that's what the Bible teaches. Indeed, God wants all religious groups to do... Uh, 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 indeed, God wants all religious groups that do not follow God's specifications for worship to close their doors. Malachi chapter 1, verse 10. Yet churches all over the land are not patterned after the one church of the Bible. They have unscriptural names for their church and for their individual members. Their worship services engage in many practices that are not taught in the New Testament. And that's not saying that these are malicious, evil, wicked people who high-handedly walk their days trying to hurt others and murder. And Not at all. Some, most people in denominations are our neighbors, our friends, our family members who are good, decent people who would give you the shirt off their back benevolent people who I am certain love Jesus and believe in God, they're just not accurate to the Jesus of the Bible and the God of the Bible, the living God of heaven. Their activities are mere inventions and doctrines of men, Matthew 15, 9. Do we want to be exactly what Jesus wants us to be according to the New Testament? Well, again, only you can answer that before God. The same is true with God's plan of salvation. Oh, man, if the devil's going to get messed in, in the details, he wants to pervert the plan of salvation. He, don't, he wants you to believe and feel yourself saved when you really aren't. The same is true with God's plan of salvation. What does the New Testament teach with reference to how one becomes a Christian? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? So much diversity and widespread misconception exists out there. Again, you can go to one church, they'll tell you, you're saved when you have a religious experience, a dream, a vision, that when you, or, or some will say, oh, when you get baptized by the Holy Spirit fire. And some will say when you have some kind of a Holy Spirit experience. And others will say, well, when you put a bit of water on your head as a baby, when you're sprinkled with water on your head as a baby, or others will say you're saved by some kind of a Holy Spirit thing and then you do another thing. And like there's, there's so many different divided doctrines in churches that claim to be Christian churches. I mean, how do you make sense of that? How do you make sense of that? Most religious groups teach salvation is solely by faith. A great many of them. 
without any further acts of obedience. They say that all you have to do is, quote, accept Jesus as your Savior. Sometimes that's a sinner's prayer. Sometimes that's just call Jesus into your heart or something along those lines, which, which means orally saying something like, I believe in Jesus Christ. I accept him into my heart as my personal Savior. But is that really what the Bible teaches, though? Like, are you at least, at the very least, are you willing to perhaps just entertain the thought that maybe that's not right? Like, what? have you actually read the Bible? Why don't we just read the Bible? Denominationalism teaches that at that moment, when you say, I believe in Jesus Christ, I accept him into my heart as my personal Savior, that the person is forgiven of sin and he becomes a Christian. Many churches out there teach that. The New Testament does teach that a non-Christian must believe. There's no way around that. Mark 16, 16. But that's not all, though. There's more to belief. I mean, the demons believe. Why aren't they saved? He or she also must repent of sins. Are you going to say, no, I don't need to repent of sins? Okay, so then you know you must believe, and part of belief has to do with repenting of your sins. It's part of that same thing, right? It's orga- Having faith is active. It means you're repenting of your sins. And all these things, by the way, are something you must produce. To believe is something you must do. To repent of your sins is something you must do. Luke 13, 3, Acts 2, 38. You must confess Christ with the mouth, Romans 10, 10. Are you going to disagree with that? And then be immersed in water. You see, because believing is something we do, repenting of our sins is something we do, confessing Christ is something we do, but being immersed in water is something being done to us. It's the very most passive, submissive uh, uh, application of our active faith receiving God's forgiveness. Being immersed in water with the understanding that the blood of Jesus washes away sin at the point of our baptism. Acts 22.16 indicates that it was at that moment Saul was immersed in water that the, his sins were washed away. Galatians 3.27, 1 Peter 3.21. I know it might sound very different than what you've been hearing from the pulpit in the denominational church you were of your upbringing, of your forefathers, of your family. But listen, you can't be saved by works. You can't be saved by boastful pride. You can't be saved by what mom and dad believed before you. You're not going to stand before God and say, well, that's been the church I've been a part of and mom and dad were there, grandma and grandpa. No, you can't do that. You cannot be saved by your own works. You cannot meritoriously earn your salvation. You must submit to God. Most people in the religious world believe that a person is forgiven of sins before they are immersed. But once again, that is a departure from New Testament teaching. The New Testament is equally explicit on the subject of Christian living. It is frightening that in our current Western civilization, as we have known it, it is deteriorating and moving away from the fundamental behaviors that were common to our way of life from our inception as a nation. But it's happening. Many people are showing the same lack of knowledge and disrespect for God's instructions in this area as they are in the other areas we've noted thus far. Our society is getting farther away from the Bible. 
Many do not even believe the Bible to be a supernatural inspired book. God breathe. They think it's just a collection of Jewish myths, a bunch of fairy tales, and the writings of mere men. And I used to believe that, by the way. For decades I used to believe that. We have reason for alarm. Any civilization that does not structure itself around the mind of God as revealed on the pages of the Bible cannot last for long. They won't make it. Where are the, where's the, where are the Romans? Where are the Egyptians? Where are all these powerful dynasties that ruled the world once? Every nation that rejected God and his principles for living eventually deteriorated from the inside out and fell to pieces, crumbling into the dust of human history. American civilization is rushing headlong down that same course. Canada has already fallen, by the way, as a Canadian citizen, well aware of the loss of our identity through the very corrupt nature of its citizenry who have gone away from God and elected very, very divisive and, and, and uh, communist-like, tyrannical-like uh, rulers. It's a real thing to live in the decay of what was once such a great nation. So what does the Bible teach concerning Christian living and Christian morality? Well, for example, regarding marriage, Genesis 2.24 and Matthew 19.9 are sufficient to demonstrate how far our society has deviated from God's will. Those verses show that God's will is that one man, never married before, marry one woman, never married before, and that those two individuals remain married for the rest of their lives. Only death should separate them. And only one exception is given to that rule. If one of those mates is sexually unfaithful, God permits the other mate, the innocent partner, to divorce the guilty mate for fornication, in other words, for sexual unfaithfulness, and to marry an elig uh, eligible partner. The New Testament is that clear and that simple. Men have polluted it. Men have made it complicated. Men have done all kinds of things so that they can just do what they want to do and not feel guilty. Yet our society as a whole is far, so far from that simple teaching in the Bible that it is frightening to consider whether we could ever recover our spiritual and moral senses. And what about alcohol? Narcotics. Drugs, all kinds of intoxicants and pollutants to the mind. People all over our society consume these things in restaurants, in homes, airplanes, and ball games. You can't go to a football game without people freely drinking alcoholic beverages without giving it a second thought. It's socially normal. They appear oblivious and unconcerned about the fact that the Bible speaks definitively and decisively against consuming intoxicating beverages. In other words, or in an example, Proverbs 23, verses 29 through 35, you've been meant to think that Jesus turned water into booze and that we can drink booze. It's not real. It's not true. It's all part of the devil's tricks to manipulate us and corrupt us. If you're honest and love God and desire to follow His will, you will examine what the Bible teaches on this matter. I had to do a great many studies on this matter because I was an alcoholic. Oh, I still am. It's difficult to live each day without not running to the bottle. So what do you think I was doing way back in my past life and 
converting to Christianity, I wanted to find Jesus making booze, making alcohol, wine, right? So if Jesus made wine, that means I can drink a little. I just have to be controlled with it. Not at all. Now, can alcohol be utilized for medicinal purposes? Well, of course. And that's between you and God. But to see our society decay in such a way because of all these intoxicants? Well, the Bible speaks against that because it hurts us. What else is occurring in our society, the article says? People use foul language and take God's name in vain all the time. How often do we, we hear people say, Oh my God. You hear that all the time. OMG on social media. OMG out there in public. The expression has saturated our society. But the Bible condemns the vain use of God's name. Exodus 27, Ephesians 4.29 It is sin and it offends God. Likewise, the practice of lying and deceiving is commonplace, though God hates such acts, Proverbs 6.17 and Ephesians 4.25. And sadly, friends, you can, you can even find that in the Lord's church with Christians who are not acting as they should be according to the Bible's definition of one's behavior. You'll see it in, in preachers, in elders, in the church who are practicing lying and deceiving against their own brethren. They'll slander their own brothers and say lies about them. And they'll take God's name in vain. And they'll do all sorts of hateful acts against each other. Why do you think all the epistles were warning Christians in the church about their own kind in the church that are wolves, that are uh, 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 sinful, that are uh, not walking orderly according to the doctrine? That they're among us, and we need to be aware of that. And that's why we find righteous division in the church. Sometimes you've got to have a division. Separate yourself from the corruption that takes preeminence. The corruption that is filled with lies and hypocrisy. That's the beauty of the Lord's church. It's autonomous. There's no headquarters you call and say, what must we believe this week? We are autonomous, pre-denominational. So when the Lord's church becomes contaminated with wolves in the sheep's in sheep's clothing who take preeminence, who corrupt the church, you can separate yourself from that righteously so. You can divide yourself from that righteously so and no longer associate yourself with a corrupted organization or institution. You can remain pure in Christ, the Lord's church. What about gambling, the article continues. And these are moral factors of our behavioral existence as Christians that have been perverted and contaminated by the world, seeped into the church. What about gambling? The lottery has been legalized in most states, along with horse racing and other forms of gambling. I know all about gambling. I used to love gambling. I used to love drinking alcohol. And it's difficult to be faithful when you've been an addict to a great many things. Sometimes you fall off the wagon. You pick yourself back up. You try again. You try again. But these things, they're damaging, aren't they? Large numbers of people flock to these activities as if they are perfectly acceptable and moral. I'd much rather be the Christian who falls prey to these things, knows it's a sin, begs God for forgiveness, and tries again, than be the Christian who says, nah, it's not sinful at all. We can practice that. My friend, I don't mean to offend you in any way, 
but I'm telling you that the Bible speaks decisively and clearly against these practices. They are immoral, they are unchristian, and they are ungodly. Matthew 7, 12, Ephesians 4, 28, chapter 5, verse 3, and 2 Thessalonians 3, 10, 1 Timothy 6, verses 9 and 10. Our society says, quote, people ought to be free to believe what they want. Don't be judgmental. You don't have any right to say they are wrong. But such propaganda is wrong. God has a right. Doesn't God has a right to tell us we're wrong? He is the creator. And he said in his word that we must know his truth. And we must be right about the, that truth. And we must obey that truth, Hebrews 5.9. See, I'm not the one telling you you're wrong. God is the one telling you you're wrong. Why do you think I've been telling you? Read the Bible for yourself. Don't make a decision based on me. I'm just a human being like you. I could be wrong, but I know the Bible isn't. Jesus said, quote, if you love me, keep my commandments, John 14, 15. He also said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free, John 8, 32. Well, how can that be if there's no such a thing as truth? Or if no one knows the truth? or if the truth cannot be known. Therein we enter the realm of denominationalism and all the isms found within the realm of denominationalism, relativism. No one knows the truth. Pluralism. Emotionalism. Pluralism. Uh, uh, relativism, pluralism, and emotionalism. There is no truth. No one can really know the truth. And so therefore I feel that I know my own truth. Paul spoke about that time, or the time when people would not want to hear healthy teaching, 2 Timothy 4, 3, and would reject it. But God wants all men to be saved and to, be, and to come to the knowledge of the truth, 1 Timothy 2, 4. The New Testament teaches that we must stay with God's word. We are not free to deviate or to believe and practice whatever we choose. We must not do it, 2 John 9, 1 Corinthians 4, 6, Galatians 1, 8. In the final analysis, denominationalism is what results when humans assert their own religious inclinations, formulate their own religious doctrines, and originate their own churches. Solomon's words ought to cause every single person to refrain from affiliation with denominationalism. Quote, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words, lest he reprove you and you be found a liar. Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. Is denominationalism scriptural? No, it is not scriptural. It just isn't. You can read that article in apologeticspress.org the author Dave Miller. And what does the article do? Well, it points us to the Bible. And therein ultimately is what you need to read, what we need to read together, the Holy Bible. The information therein will teach us the truth. It will teach us the truth. All right, we are 20 minutes over the hour. I knew this was going to be fa a fairly lengthy session, kind of making up, I guess, for the days I've been missing there. But... Um, Hey, you don't need to believe what I've said. Not a single word of it if you don't want to. You know, again, it's up to you. But it's the truth, nonetheless.
It's the truth nonetheless. Please consider subscribing, following the channel, like, share, comment, all that kind of good stuff. And if uh, you are in the community, you find yourself in New Brunswick, reach out to us, the East Coast Church of Christ. EastCoastChurchOfChrist.com. We're a small, loving group of 15 members, strong and diverse. We meet in our homes during the week. And we want to be the church we can read about in the first century. Maybe you want to grow with us. God will bless us if we follow his words. Maybe you want to sit down and study with us. If you are genuinely seeking the truth, we're here for you. Okay? If you are a member of the Lord's church, the church that belongs to Jesus Christ, and you want to get involved in this new mission, this new church plant over in this European model on the east coast of Canada, uh, you can do so. You can do so by signing up over at addedsouls.locals.com. That's my secular job. That's my work, if you will. Now, it's spiritual, obviously, but to uh, me building tents and making sure my family can eat food, that's where I go. To interact with you, to share stuff and content, which is exclusive, uh, exclusive content there. And it, it, it further uh, um, uh, facilitates the addedsouls.com ministry to keep proclaiming the gospel. It keeps me and my family, the Maya family, fed, of course, and sheltered and clothed and uh, proclaiming the good news. I am the evangelist and the preacher for the East Coast Church of Christ. Uh, this church has elders, leaders, and uh, a, a wonderful group of uh, teen and young adult and, and senior and uh, uh, women who are the backbone. And, and it's just a, it's a beautiful thing. It's truly a very wonderful family and growing family. So if you want to get involved, by all means, please do so. Sign up at addedsouls.locals.com. There's the PayPal option. And if you need an address, just reach out to me and I'll give you an address. That good? All right. Stay focused. Stay positive. Check out the itinerary. Maybe there's something in there you'd like to, to watch from Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. For now, that is the case. And uh, Lord willing, we shall see each other. Uh, oh, I don't know about tomorrow morning, obviously, but maybe next week now. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're all we're in different places, too. You can find me on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, uh, Added Souls on Facebook page. It's a pretty big page, has over 82,000 followers, I think, there. Um, but uh, we also just created the uh, East Coast Church of Christ Facebook page, and you can check that out and follow there. I'll be sharing a sermon there, hopefully once a week, uh, stuff like that. All right, anywho, Lord willing, till next time, God bless.